Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast, dedicated to raising awareness, sharing IBD stories, and offering support for those with Crohn's and colitis. Together, we can share knowledge, experiences, and help show the world the many faces of IBD. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining me today for another episode of the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Gish, Crohn's warrior since 2006 and lifelong fitness fanatic. Today, I'm bringing you part two of my interview with Nicole Candelaria. Last week, Nicole began sharing her journey with IBD. Not only was Nicole diagnosed with both ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease in 2008, but in 2017, she was also diagnosed with perianal Crohn's disease. Last week, she shared the roller coaster that was her diagnosis and how it continued for years after. From multiple medications, a brief time of remission, then back into a flare-up with surgery and eventually a search for a new doctor. We pick up today in her journey when she met her new doctor in New York City, 1,200 miles from her home in Miami. I got the phone call that I had the green light to actually move on forward. I made the appointment as soon as I possibly could, and I flew out. I, When I met her, oh, my God, I think I it was emotional for me because I, it was a saving moment for me where yeah. I found a doctor that is listening to me, that's hearing me out, that knows that it's not just in my mind yeah. because... You know, the doctor that I was still being treated by was very hesitant. There was a moment where it seemed like he didn't believe yeah. what I was going through because he kept saying, you know what, let's just wait a few more weeks. Mm-hmm. Let's see. And the thing is that by waiting to see, my fistula came back. And I told him, I have, a, not that I have a feeling, I'm starting to exhibit symptoms and I'm also having discharge. Yeah. Um, that were red flags before. So, you know, he just, you know, he did certain tests, but the tests weren't showing enough. So he just, okay, figured, no, you don't have it. We're just going to continue on waiting. So as we continue on waiting, I made sure that I did my own aggressive research to see someone else because I mm-hmm. couldn't continue. I felt like I was going downhill. I wasn't getting any better at all. And that's so so important. Like, I think that really illustrates just how important it is that we not only advocate for ourselves, but to not also fall into the, that trap of second guessing ourselves when it's like, we know something's Mm -hmm. wrong. And when you don't have a healthcare partner that is truly partnering with you, that is devastating, not just emotionally, but physically too. I mean, it's so important to find a doctor who is listening and is ready to take you on the journey like with them. Oh yeah. No, it really, I didn't, I don't think I really truly grasped how important that was until I started actually having to meet with different gastroenterologists. It's one thing to have different specialists because I had so many different types of specialists Mm -hmm. um, helping with my case, but I didn't realize how drastically different a gastroenterologist can be from one to the other. Yeah. So when I met this doctor in New York City, she blew me away with all the information that she was giving to me. She said, Mm -hmm. first off, that medication that you're on, not 
the right choice of drug. She said, this is what's speeding up your process of the narrowing in your um, wow. rectal area. And which is why you're having to need all these um, procedures to stretch out your wow. your diameter. So she said, we have to take you off of that immediately because Remicade is great for so many segments of your intestine, but not so great for your rectum. The reason why is because at Remicade, immediately stops inflammation or at least it's a lot faster than other biological drugs mm -hmm. but by doing that it rapidly leaves behind scarring tissue oh wow so it's easy to just surgically remove parts of your small intestine and large intestine than it is to remove your rectum mm -hmm. she said so vermicade is best to use in other parts of your body as far as when it comes to Crohn's disease and colitis. But when it comes to your rectal area, not the, the preferred choice for that reason. So she put me through so many, she made sure that the time that I was there, she utilized it as best as she could. Wow. Oh my goodness. She definitely pulled a lot of strings. She gave me her personal number. She made sure she had me go to the hospital that she's affiliated with. Mm -hmm. She made sure that she definitely... Um, took power wow. and control over what would happen. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the doctors in the hospital that she's affiliated with were a little bit scared of her because this is how she is. <laughs> she made she sure knows that what she, she wants. She wants. <laughs> yeah. So, and she truly told me before she had me walk across the street to the hospital. She's like, I'm going to advocate for you. I don't want you giving up because I'm not giving up on you. So, how awesome. you hang in tight because you have to go through unnecessary suffering. Yeah. So many different diagnoses that you've been given that could have been prevented. Wow. So she's like, I'm going to do my best to help you because I, I can't stand seeing anyone suffering unnecessarily when it can be treated properly. Mm -hmm. So I, she had me run through so many tests she purposefully admitted me into the hospital so that I had everything done within the 24 hours. So wow. I had a um, abdominal MRI. Because you were still on a, a flight, like a, a vacation at exactly. this point to come up and see her. Yep. Yeah. So she was making sure that I got everything done before I had to return. So um, I had no idea that there were so many different types of specialized MRIs. I knew that there was just pelvic MRI and mm -hmm. a um, abdominal MRI, but the type that she chose, at least for the pelvic area, mm -hmm. was to determine if I had that fistula that I was telling her about. Sure enough, the results came back and it showed I had the fistula. Mm -hmm. So in my deep gut, when I knew that I had it, and the doctor in Florida wasn't listening to me. Yeah. He should have been more aggressive, but he didn't. He went based off on just the basic knowledge that he knew. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to say basic knowledge because you know what? It's not their fault. Well, a specialist it's, takes so much extra training to specialize exactly. in that area. And so exactly. a, a regular gastroenterologist just doesn't have that. They haven't dedicated the same amount of time. Exactly. And so... Mm -hmm. Just what it so, is. Yeah, exactly. So I can't fault doctors for that. But mm -hmm. um, 
she definitely, as soon as she was able to get so many different answers to me within a matter of 24 hours that doctors that I was with for months and even years couldn't even get, give me. Wow. So, um, the, I was starting to get that sense of hope again. Yeah. I, don't, like, I would have oh left the goodness. hospital in tears, like just tears I, of joy. I, like, you know, finally. I, <laughs> I, I, I actually did, you know, I really did. It was an emotional moment. Oh my God. I, I called my family immediately and I told them that this was what's going on. Mind you, I was keeping everyone informed yeah. of everything, but to hear everything as far as like the answers to all these unanswered questions, it was like, yeah. Oh, it was like music to my heart, really, not just to my ears, but to my yeah, heart, because yeah. I've been waiting for this moment because I thought, am I ever going to get answers mm -hmm. to my unanswered questions? So I did. So she, um, right away told me, you know, I need you to be my patient. She said, yeah, you know, I can work with the doctors in Florida if they choose to want me to work together with them. But if they resist, I really want you to come and see me as often as you possibly can and as often as physically your body's able to. Mm -hmm. If not, we'll have to, you know, make phone calls if we need to, to do anything to help you to, to get back on track. So, um, I got all of her medical records and all the, the results that she gave to me and I brought it down with me in, to Florida. The doctor in New York City had wanted me to switch from Remicade to Stellara. Mm -hmm. She felt that Stellara was my better option, not just for side effects reasons, but the fact that it doesn't leave as much scarring behind and as rapidly as how Remicade mm -hmm. um, does. So when I go to see the doctor in Florida, oh, they are just not too thrilled to hear that I went to see Someone a different else. doctor. <laughs> and the fact that she wanted to switch me off to a different medication, they were like, oh, she doesn't know what she's talking about because Stellara, you know, our patients haven't been doing so well in Stellara. I don't know how she could actually suggest that. I'm going to have to speak to the doctor that I was previously being treated by at the uh, Crohn's and Colitis Clinic. I wait a few days and I'm dreading. I'm like, God, I, I need to hear what they, what their response yeah. is. So I was at work and I had gotten the phone call and their response was, well, Stellara is not the right drug for you. So the only thing that we can do mm -hmm. for you right now is either try to increase your levels of the Remicade. Because at that point, mm. I was already going every six weeks instead of every eight weeks. And they did increase my dosage. So it's either increasing the Remicade or having to go into surgery. Wow. So I was like, okay, no, I can't have surgery. I, you know, prefer to have, um, to see if maybe we can increase the Remicade just to see what happens. I, at that point, I was like, you know what? Let me just see what they have to say. Because at this point, I was like, okay, I, I'm, I'm hoping I'm making the right decision because I'm switching off from Remicade. 
going to another biological drug and you hear about how when you switch from mm-hmm. one biological drug to another, you can actually build up antibodies. So I was a little bit afraid. And um, I secretly kept going up to the doctor in New York and I explained to her what was going on. And then one thing actually I did forget, you know, because of so many different events that mm-hmm. have had happened as we're talking. It's a journey. I'm remembering, <laughs> too. I'm remembering yeah. all the most important part. Um, she had actually re- re- recommended me to see a colorectal surgeon mm-hmm. that happens to also be world-renowned for wounds and colitis. Wow. He's also in New York. So when I had actually visited him for a consultation he um did a and i would i say i guess an inpatient procedure but it was within Mm -hmm. the appointment it wasn't something that i had to prepare for Mm -hmm. i don't know what the proper term would be for that it's an inpatient kind of the in-office kind of stuff that they do it's all i know yeah (laughs) i don't know if there's a technical term (laughs) no no yeah you're right you're right so i am when he examined me and he told me like, you know, you're nowhere near needing surgery at all whatsoever. All you need is medication to treat what's going on to help minimize your symptoms. Now, maybe along the line later on, if we see the medications aren't helping, then we may have to consider other routes, but he's like, you're nowhere near needing surgery nowhere near near at all so um i passed that lovely information off also to my doctor in florida and Mm -hmm. you know everyone has a different view yeah on everything so it just came to a and point. people don't like to hear that they're wrong and so the doctor in florida probably took it as that way as this <laughs> you know this personal attack yeah. which which he shouldn't but you know that's i know and i, I felt bad yeah i felt bad. Oh my god how do i tell the doctor because i really you know yeah it, i'm sure it's not always easy to hear that a patient of yours is going to see another doctor yeah for a second opinion on things so yeah so i've been saying like you know what I got to take that leap of faith and mm-hmm. hope that the doctor in New York is not going to steer me wrong. So I left the doctor that I was seeing in Florida and I flew back again to New York and I said, let's, you know, I'm, I'm all in, let's do this. It was, uh, <sighs> it, it was a journey because mm-hmm. it was a lot of flying back and forth just for annual checkups. Then, um, once I, it, it was also very difficult with my insurance to get the approval for the Stellara. Mm-hmm. So mind you, the fact that I was living in Florida, had a Florida insurance, and then going to New York City mm-hmm. to receive the, um, you know, the treatments. So it was, it took a little bit longer than what I liked and what the doctor was trying, she was trying to avoid. Mm-hmm. So much of a, a struggle because as we were weaning ourselves off of the Remicade, we were hoping to start this Delara at a certain point. We had mm-hmm. already had a time frame like, okay, we need to make sure we get you on this. So 
it just took too long with insurance. And then at that time in Florida, we were having our hurricane season. We mm-hmm. had a hurricane come. It threw off everything. My flight had to be rescheduled for a different time. I had to move my appointment forward more. So I went, I think, almost more than eight weeks mm-hmm. without having any medication. And I was completely miserable. I was concerned that I wasn't even going to make it um, to New York. Mm-hmm. But I was so terrified to of not cancel my there. flight <laughs> and not getting there. So when I got there, at that point in time, I just, I had a lot of rectal pain at this point and I was getting fevers. Actually, sorry, no, low grade fevers. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the pure fatigue that I was feeling was just none like no other. I, I couldn't even explain mm-hmm. it. And then my heart rate, that was another concerning issue because my heart rate was just skyrocketing completely. It was, I never, was in the 80s or 90s range. I was always above 110. My mm-hmm. highest, I think that I might have gone up to was 180 um, beats per minute. So I um, was battling so many symptoms. It was just so hard to be able to walk without feeling mm-hmm. so miserable. So... um by the time I had gotten to Stellara, I think my body was just so out of control at that point. Two days after the Stellara, I had 102 fever. I was so sick. I just couldn't. I knew something was wrong. So I had called the doctor and I said, I'm not feeling good. I have a fever. What do I do? Because my flight to return back to Florida is the mm. next day. So she said, you cannot go to Florida right now. Yeah. We're going to have to reschedule that. You're going to have to come into the ER. We need to make sure that you're not having a reaction to this Delara and that there's something else going on. Oh, so I go to the ER. I do get admitted. They have me on antibiotics. The antibiotics do help. And then um, because they realized that it was definitely the inflammation that was causing all the discomfort and the mm-hmm. fistula not being treated mm-hmm. either. So um, the antibiotics that they had me on was actually, it was two different antibiotics. I can't remember the name, but it was two different antibiotics. And they gave me other different, um, I think it was magnesium and other different things to help me to kind of boost the body back up. Because if the antibiotics didn't work, then I would have actually had to have a procedure, especially for the fistula area. And we were trying to avoid touching the fistula in any mm-hmm. shape or form. So once I think by the second day, I was a lot better. I didn't have a fever. And they said, you know, you're safe to go home. Wow. So at home as in stay in New York, mm-hmm. don't go back to Florida because we still <laughs> need to actually we need to monitor you. So was this still 2018 at this point, maybe towards the later? Um, end, it this, 19? Oh, sorry. So this was actually, at this, this all, point it was 2019. Yeah, Cause this is all fairly, fairly recent. I mean, within yeah. the year. 
year or so. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Like the, the visit, the first visit that I had with Dr. New York was in June of 2018. Wow. Yeah. No, 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 no. It was June of 2019. I'm sorry. June oh, wow. of 2019. Yes. Everything happened so fast. That, sorry, d- yes. that is fast. That is fast. June of 2019. Yeah. So, so they tell you to go she, home, but not to Florida. <laughs> not to Florida. To stay close because we have to monitor you. My doctor's fear was that if I was so far away that I wasn't able to come back mm-hmm. in time to be checked that I would have complications. Yeah. And because all she kept seeing was negligence on the doctor's end as mm-hmm. to how they weren't aggressive enough to say, okay, well, if the test is coming back normal, but yet you're showing symptoms or telling me they're showing symptoms, they should have pursued more testing. Yeah. But they didn't. They kept saying, well, let's just continuating. Let's wait. just wait. Let's see what happens. Her fear was that if I wasn't nowhere near her, that I would get worse. Yeah, that you fall through the cracks to, and just exactly, be lost. Exactly, exactly. So um, I had to tell my job that I was going to have to go on short-term disability, um, and I didn't know for how long. Um, mm-hmm. So I, let me see, at this point it was already September going into October of 2019. I was seeing my doctor once every week. Wow. And um, eventually it started going from every week to every two weeks, then to every three weeks. I was being weaned off little by little. But the thing is, is that meanwhile being weaned off, they were still noticing that the Stellara just wasn't enough of a kick to control the the symptoms Mm -hmm. which she did give me heads up she did say that in the beginning it might be too slow that we might have to pair it off with another trexy Mm -hmm. sure enough that's what she did by november of 2019 i was already on methotrexate with the stellarum methotrexate actually was doing quite a bit of the heavy lifting part until eventually i want to say we're in May. So by February, I want to say, mm-hmm. is when we started noticing that there was some differences. So it definitely took a couple stellar. months. It definitely did. And it was scary because when I had came back in January, well, actually, I flew back in December. I, I, I you know... I wanted to be home for the holidays and um, there were just uh, so many other things going on that I had to go back um, to Florida. So I quickly took that trip back and then I had the follow-up appointment in January to see the doctors. So I had, I came back and at that point I wasn't where I was in February. So in January of 2020, um, the doctor was realizing like, you know what, if this doesn't work for you, we might have to actually try an experimental drug and we're Mm -hmm. not going to know for sure if 
this experimental drug is going to work. And because it's a blind study, we don't know if you're going to be given the actual medication or if it's a placebo. So I was panicking again. Wow. I really was. So, um, I, uh, I had to like take a breather. I was going back and forth. I was even, even talking to my family, like, what do I do? You know, there's a lot of pros and cons. Do I take the risk or do I not take the risk? Mm-hmm. You know, but, um, there was another follow-up appointment, um, once February came around. And by then, like, thankfully to God, I was actually doing a lot better. Wow. And we realized everything is in place mm-hmm. where we don't have to take in consideration of the experimental drug. Um, that would be later down the road. If I ever were to, I guess, grow an, an immunity or any kind of antibodies toward the, the medication that I am on now, that would probably be something later on to probably consider. I've dedicated most of my life to fitness and health, but as I've grown older and felt the effects of fatigue as I've battled Crohn's, I no longer want to spend hours in the gym every day, which is how I first stumbled across the Cellar Size Rebounder. It's become the backbone of my fitness routine these days, giving me the ability to tailor my workouts from gentle movement to intense jumping that literally activates every cell in the body. And the best part is, it only takes 10 minutes a day for an incredible workout. Find out for yourself what a difference cellar size can make in your health by visiting Crohn'sFitnessFood.com forward slash cellar size. But that extra few weeks made the difference. And we are, well, since February, we've made a lot of improvements week mm-hmm. by week so by then you know in february um my family was like yeah you're gonna have to stay up here you're gonna have to relocate up here <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna have to relocate up here because this whole flying back and forth not working it's <laughs> not yeah it's not so i uh everything happened so fast i was so scared everything you know, everything of what I knew of, mm-hmm. I eventually knew that there was going to be a possibility that I would have to relocate because of the doctor. Like, just didn't yeah. think it would happen so soon. <laughs> I really didn't think so. I, I think I was expecting it for maybe later on into the yeah. year or so. But, um, you know, things do happen in time, in the timing that it should have, you know. I, um, in March is when we had made the decision. My aunt flew back with me to Florida mm-hmm. so that I can pack what I could and drive up my car. And um, I also was doing a lot better where I actually could return back to work. But instead, I got a job up here. Wow. Um, I work at one of the hospitals. Um, so everything is falling into place. So I kept, uh, you know, it's funny because I kept asking, kind of like, you know, I guess you are making this work for me because yeah. everything's happening too fast and um for me to actually like stop a moment breathe and take it all in so i'm glad that it happened the way it did because now this pandemic happened and had it been yeah. out in florida flying back and forth would have never worked i mean out. you got up there just in the just nick of time, time. <laughs> before the I, pandemic hit that yeah. is wild 
very wild. Wow. Yeah. So that's why when, you know, when you and I had, when you had reached out to me about wanting to do the podcast, you were in the middle of moving. I was, <laughs> I was in the middle of all this happening. Oh my goodness. So I didn't have time to really soak everything all in. Eventually no, not did, at all. But everything just happened so fast. But, you know, how amazing. Since, since relocating up here, minus this whole pandemic thing, I've actually been able to um, put on 10 pounds. That's 10 awesome. Pounds I'm so happy about. Oh my God. That no is idea. awesome. And I've told my family this and they laugh at me, but they're also happy about it too. Um, just to see that I'm putting on weight. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's funny because people, you know, they always, focus on oh my god I have to lose weight and there's a leap of joy of that mine is the complete opposite I just couldn't wait to gain more healthy weight and then so I am you know 10 pounds heavier it's awesome um I'm able to now eat more solid food without Mm -hmm. it having to be an issue um what else I I am still on the Stellara and the Methotrexate mm-hmm one thing that had to be done before I actually went back to work, um, I actually had to visit the colorectal surgeon that I have up here as well in New York City. They had to perform a procedure. They had to insert what's called a seton mm-hmm. flap. I think mm-hmm. I'm hoping I'm saying that correctly. Um, because of the fact that with the fistula, their fear was that the skin where the fistula is located at, because it's Unfortunately, it's um, rectal vaginal fistula. Mm-hmm. And those are the most common ones for women, isn't it? Yes, I believe yeah. it is. So the thing, the problem that they were finding is that even though the antibiotics were given to me, it was working. I was mm-hmm. taking off of the antibiotics um, to see how I did and I was doing good, but eventually it was it was becoming a problem, but they kind of figured out that it wasn't going completely away. The skin was closing up over the fistula. Uh. So then there was a buildup of discharge and mm-hmm. discharge was trying to squeeze through the area. So they wanted to avoid sepsis from happening. So they had to insert a seaton flap to keep the area open. I still mm-hmm. have it in there. It'll be in there. I mean, the doctor says people live with it for decades. So I will have that on until they see that the fistula has completely closed. And once the fistula closes, then they'll take it out. But until then, I have another, um, what did he say? It's like another, uh, made me laugh. He said, just think of it as a a piercing. I'm like, oh, God. He made me laugh. He had a funny. sense of humor. But yeah. he's like, be proud of, of, you know, of what it is that you have, you know, that yeah. you're going through, you know. So that was the last procedure that I had had. Everything fell into place wow. before I went into work. And it continued to fall into place. Minus, you know, you know, stressing about, like, everything going on. And yeah. everything started falling into place where I was able to eat more foods. Then I could have before i was eliminating yeah. the liquid food and having more solid food and i wasn't skipping as much meals anymore so what a it, change. It was tremendous. oh tremendously and, and i have more energy too yeah. so you know it, it's just amazing the 360 that this doctor has been able to 
to make. Well, and it, and it shows too, because obviously this is a podcast so people are listening to it, but you and I are talking over zoom and you are just, you're glowing. Like you're, you just look vibrant. You have energy. I mean, you look Mm -hmm. really good. Not like, not like that Crohn's look where you're trying to hide it and you can, and you know that there's pain and fear behind the eyes, but you look energetic and that like there's the light Oh yeah. There. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. No, you're, you're definitely, you're right. Because you know, it's amazing because years ago and even before I met this doctor, I didn't realize how empty I think I felt on the mm-hmm. inside. Like, you know, yeah. you're just going through the motions at this point when you're not feeling so great and you're not finding the answers that you want and the medications to help you with all the suffering that you're going through and maybe it's different for other people because everyone does cope with it so differently. Mm-hmm. There was just this emptiness that I kept feeling inside of me. I felt honestly hollow on the inside because yeah. I'm just now surviving each day because yeah. I can't get the help that I was desperately needing. So I just, you know, going waking up in the morning, it's like, okay, thank God I am alive. For that yeah. you know I never um I'm, I, I'm I have always been a grateful person mm-hmm. you know so I was grateful to wake up every single day to see my family to see my friends but it's just like it was just exhausting I think to live through those days yeah with those symptoms and not have any positive outcomes so there was moments where I had really low moments and it just sometimes made you question like what's the whole purpose of life at this point you know so now with all this happening the seeing how much of a difference that i've made and the improvements that i'm still seeing on on my body it just i now wake up more happier i'm Mm -hmm. now singing every time (laughs) that i'm going to work and when i leave work and Mm -hmm. it's just i feel it's incredible yeah, so it's just it's amazing how really truly all of that does make a difference on on you, you know. Yeah. You try your best to cope with things and you know, having a support system is a is a very big deal and so vital when going through this journey with yeah. guns and colitis. So Well, and speaking of that, when did you start advocating? You started your Instagram and you started sharing your story. So what yeah. was it that prompted you to really start sharing your story and, and becoming a voice? I um when did that uh once I I think at a moment where things started clicking in more um when I realized like wow I'm not the only one that's going through this because at the, that point in time, I think it's going to be two years, I think, almost two years or two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. I am, because I was always doing research, but there was part of me that was afraid to like dive completely in and see what other people out there are putting out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also thought, oh my God, I mean, I didn't have a come across anyone physically that has Crohn's or colitis or both mm-hmm. to say, yeah, I'm going through the same thing as you. No, I haven't. Because a lot of them, their cases were moderate mm-hmm. or maybe mild. 
So I just, I just kept thinking, yep, no, it's just me. It's just me. But then when I started kind of opening up my, I guess, being more open-minded, I should mm-hmm. say. And I saw that online that there were people out there that also were going through the same thing as me. I'm yeah. like, oh my God, I'm not alone. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not alone. You yeah. know, it's, um, it was very, oh, I don't, this sounds so bad, but it was just like a relief. Like, oh yeah. God, I'm not the only one going through yeah. these complicated moments. It it's makes a not difference. Just me. Yeah. It really does, you know, because I thought, oh my God, I must be doing something wrong with the way what I'm choosing to eat or, you know, because they always say, yes, you have to watch what you eat, but it's like, okay, how much do you have to watch yeah. to really make the difference? So when I saw that, it just really had me thinking like, you know what? I think it's time to really put myself out there, put mm-hmm. all my, because also too, I went through also a phase where my body image, oh, I, you know how Crohn's disease, it alters your appearance of your body, yeah. you know, your weight gain or your weight loss, you just your skin drastically color, and your yeah. hair, having hair loss and other different things. So I just, you know, I knew that I had wanted to put myself out there, but I'm like, God, am I ready to actually really like, you know how they say, once you take off that makeup and yeah. everyone sees you, your mm-hmm. your raw, complete self, like, am I ready to actually have the public see me mm-hmm. for who I am and for all the struggles that I've been through? Because in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, I'm not, I wasn't completely comfortable with my body image. I mean, there was no self-love happening there. I was, it was more like, I was disgusted with my body. I hated my body because my body shouldn't be, you know, reacting the way it should. I was so, so, so many different emotions. So with time though, the experiences that you have, especially with this type of um, disease, you know, it really can be humbling at the same time as crazy as it sounds it can be very humbling because it really puts things into perspective as to how thankful you need to be mm-hmm. for your body because your yeah. body is really truly trying to do its best to yeah. fight for you mm-hmm. so it's fighting for you while it's fighting against you so yeah. it's fighting for your life so you have to appreciate that as much as you can it's not your body's fault that all of a sudden the switch that went on to try yeah. to defend itself, it broke. Yeah. It's not its fault, you know? So that's when I I had a lot of I had to be reacquainted with myself again. Is that what prompted way. is that what prompted your Instagram handle then? Kind of this yeah. this journey and that processing mm-hmm. of all of this? And I haven't shared it. So go ahead and share with the listeners what that handle actually is. (laughs) Yeah, no, (laughs) it'll make sense. It's chronically, chronically underscore beautiful. Correct. Yes. that's correct. And I love that, especially hearing kind of the journey to get to that. What's behind that? It really is a a meaningful, meaningful username. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. No. Yeah. You know, and it's just, it's just, I think came to me just one day because you know, we talk about like how ugly it is for the experiences that life 
gives us. And there are moments where you feel like this is just really bad with the, mm-hmm. you know, depending on what, where you are in your life and where you are with your diagnosis. If you're in, if, if you're in relapse and whatever else might be happening. So thing is, is that to me, once I started realizing things and having that perspective of everything kicking in and it was like an aha moment, like, you know what? It is a, there are a lot of ugly moments, but they're beautiful moments as crazy as it sounds, because it leads to a different, view of things like you know to me Mm -hmm. I treasure every moment possible that I can food no one I don't think ever gives a second thought about food yeah I cherish every single bite and it's funny because (laughs) I end up doing like a little happy dance every time (laughs) that I get the food out and my cousin sees me and she's laughing yeah. It's but not I'm a just boost so shake. <laughs> no, it's not. It's just, it's like a happy dance. Like, oh my God, yes, I can have food. And it's yeah. just, it tastes so good. And, um, you know, I don't have to worry about having any issues. So it's just savoring one taste at a time, being able to get out of bed and walking, even if it's just to the bathroom or because there was a point in time where when my symptoms weren't being controlled, my heart rate was so out of control where when I would get out of bed, I would get so dizzy that I came close to fainting. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what was going on. I had to see a heart specialist and we had to find out what was going on. There wasn't too much information on that. Um, where the doctor here did say that there's a possibility that it could have been that maybe you had um where your heart rate actually speeds up whenever you're um, standing up. Oh, <sighs> POTS. That's it. POTS. So if they have a suspicion that that's probably, I could have a slightly mild case of that. Now that my inflammation is being controlled, my heart rate doesn't go as crazy high as it used to, but it just, it doesn't take a whole lot to get it up past a hundred. So, mm-hmm. Um, being able to be on my feet for a few minutes, it's just, yeah, it's an amazing feeling. And to be able to walk a distance, I mean, it's just, it really makes you realize how precious life is. You can easily take every little thing for granted. And it had it not been for all these crazy experiences, I wouldn't actually know what that felt like to really appreciate things in its full capacity. So it just, I think to me, it's just a beautiful journey of difficult Mm -hmm. experiences that lead you to see things in a very different perspective. It's not always easy because I can tell you right now, even though I'm saying this, yeah, there are moments where I feel like, you know, I do have a little bit of self-doubt and I do have some down moments. I am stressing, but it's nothing to where I was before. So it's just every journey that a person goes through, it's their own unique journey. And their journey is always going to be different from everyone. I never, ever want anyone to ever feel that their journey is less 
than anyone else's because mm-hmm. it's your story. It's you have to be proud of the days that you get through. You have to be proud of the accomplishments that you make. <clears throat> Sorry. So it doesn't matter if it's just little accomplishments of like, well, today I made it through without having to use the bathroom as much or getting through the day without, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, it could be exhausted, whatever it is. Those are accomplishments. For some, they it are. might be, it might not be accomplishments, but it really truly is. Those are the moments that you have to embrace in yourself and really pat yourself on the back. That's where the self-love comes mm-hmm. into play, where you have to be ready to t- tell yourself, well, okay, I am going through this, but I am much better than I was the other day. Or if I do have a setback, it's okay. My body is doing the best that it, it can and will get there. And if you did get through it, you have to thank your body and be appreciative. Like, yes, my body is capable of this because I know it's strong. Mm-hmm. I know that it'll never fail me, even though when there's moments that it feels like my body will fail itself. So it's just, you have to love yourself entirely. Yes, you do. And I, I yeah. love that. I absolutely love that perspective and the advice. It's, it's beautiful and it's such a wonderful way to look at it. And as we get ready to wrap up, I mean, you have shared just an incredible journey with us and given just a wonderful perspective too, but is there any last thing you want to share any piece of advice or to anyone that's listening um, with or without? Um, Yeah. So for those that are just being diagnosed, I know that right now it feels like you can, might be a sense of overwhelming, loss or just being overwhelmed like oh my god what is this or where do I go from here you will get through it and you don't have to be alone there are so many people out there among the community that can help maybe if you're not getting it physically from someone there's so many different social media accounts out there that are so helpful you know just hearing how others through their journey what they've went through It's just, it brings some type of comfort to know that you're not alone Mm -hmm. and you can always ask them questions and they'll reach out to you and they will actually respond back to you. So just don't give up, you know, that's my thing, you know, because when in the beginning I felt lonely, I didn't have anyone, no one knew what Crohn's disease was. Now you see all these commercials and all these different things going on. Mm -hmm. So for those that are just in the beginning of it, patience is so hard but give yourself time to cope with it and to accept it and reach out to as many people or as many resources as possible just so that it makes your beginning of the journey more easier and then for those that are in the middle of you know in relapse you got this. You really do. You know, yeah. you really have to stay as positive as possible when you feel like everything's falling apart. Eventually, you will see that light at the end of the tunnel. You just have to hang on and hold on to hope. And then for family members or friends or even partners that have a significant other that is battling this disease, 
try to read up as much as possible so that you understand truly the facts and the details Mm -hmm. of the disease so that you can better understand the person. Because for us, we're never going to feel as if you understand us because you're not going through it, unfortunately. But knowing that you actually know what Crohn's disease and Clyde is about and supporting us through that as best as you can makes such a great difference. It really does. That is absolutely phenomenal advice. I love that um, for each of the categories you said, but especially especially the last one for the family members who are who are there supporting us. Because sometimes I think it is hard for them because they they don't know exactly what we're going through, and so it is important for them to to understand as much as they can and, and to be there by our side. So I love that advice. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah. And thank you. Just thank you again for sharing your story, for sharing this journey with us. It's been absolutely a pleasure to talk with you and and to hear your story. Thank thank you. you. Thank you for inviting me and for allowing me to share my story. I hope that it helps someone along the line that is listening to this. And, you know, it's people like you that helps to make a difference to spread awareness because it's so important. Not many people know about what Crohn's disease still is or what ulcerative colitis is. So, it's so important. So keep on doing that wonderful work that you're doing because it's just, <laughs> it helps. It really does. Thank you. I can't thank you enough. And, you know, I look forward to other conversations that we might have, even if it's behind the camera. I am looking forward to it. I do too. Thank you for listening to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have an IBD story, either as a patient or a family member that you'd like to share as a guest on this podcast, or if you have a topic you'd like to hear about, send me an email at crohnsfitnessfood at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about me and my Crohn's journey, follow me on Instagram using at crohnsfitnessfood, or visit my blog for in-depth articles about my struggles and victories with Crohn's through diet, fitness, and lifestyle at www.cronesfitnessfood.com. And finally, remember, be strong, be grateful, and be the warrior that you are.